Notre Dame football coverage continues now. And a diving catch by Notre Dame. Benjamin Morrison, three interceptions on the day. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Intercepted on the 45-yard line. Tariq Bracey. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. He will score. 10-5 touchdown, Benjamin Morrison. 95 yards out. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on your home of the Irish, including Saturday night's matchup with the University of Southern California, 7.30 kickoff, 1 o'clock pregame here on WSBT Radio. We've got this primetime thing down now. This is our fourth consecutive week <laughs> with a late-night ball game, so we've got it down pat, and I'm joined by Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated blueandgold.com earlier this afternoon at three o'clock on the blue and gold youtube channel we hosted a program that lasted a very long time taking questions from irish fans i don't think this interview will last an hour and 20 minutes but we'll get some comments from tyler on the game he saw in person down in louisville as the irish lost to the cardinals 33 to 20 tyler against ohio state the irish offense put up 14 points in a loss. They put up 21 against Duke in a win. And then on Saturday, 20 in a 13-point loss to Louisville. How concerned are you right now with the state of the Notre Dame offense? Very, very concerned. And it's just because there's so many different things that you can point to that are going wrong with this unit right now. Starts at the top, obviously, with play calling. I don't think that's the cure-all. Everyone says, oh, we just need a better offensive coordinator and this thing would be better. Uh, can Jared Parker be better? Absolutely. But so could the Notre Dame wide receivers. The offensive line didn't have its best. And the offensive line was juggled during the first half for whatever reason. I think that was a hindrance to these guys. Just for continuity's sake, cohesion, all of those different things. I didn't know what the heck was going on there. But that's just kind of the starting point of the conversation of where this Notre Dame offense is right now when you feel like you have to do something like that, then drastic measures are being taken. And was it the right thing to do? I think most people agree that it wasn't. But and then you go to the wide receivers, and Faison, um, good for him. Now he is on scholarship because he played in that game, caught a touchdown. Uh, but that's where the Notre Dame, the state of the pass catches is. You feel like you got to go to a walk-on lacrosse player to get production in that game. And, ends up having the best overall offensive play for Notre Dame. First touchdown, and then Notre Dame's offense didn't score a touchdown again until there were about 90 seconds left in garbage time. So it's scuffling. Uh, I just went through a whole rant there without saying Sam Hartman. He needs to be a little bit better. I think everyone around him needs to be better, and that would allow him to be better. But, of course, there are some things and some throws that he would like back from that game as well. So if you just look at the entire operation, answer your question in one word it's very very concerning and it, it seems like something that's not going to be fixed with the snap of a finger marcus freeman today in his press conference mentioned that he does not have concerns about the play calling but he does have concerns about the executions of the plays being called and he said there's a reason why we are calling these plays and they have to be executed better now I think we all agree 
Part of this is play calling, not everything. But from a player standpoint, Tyler, to me, it all starts with the inability of the Irish wide receivers to scare defensive coordinators. Mike Elko seemed to lay out the blueprint, Tyler, that we're going to match up on the outside and we're going to load the box and take away that running game. And I think what's concerning is, Tyler, there has not been a response or an answer by the offensive coaching staff or the players that are trying to get the job done, trying to get this offense restarted once again. Yeah, that was all the worry for me with Jared Parker really being a first-time offensive coordinator. I know he dabbled in some things at West Virginia under head coach Neil Brown, but my understanding, he was mostly just a red zone guy there and put input into Brown and, and other situations, but he was never the full-time, full-fledged play caller. So you're seeing in real time a guy try to, or like Marcus Freeman, figure things out on the fly, and adjustments are hard to make when you've never had to do it before. You've never had to make these adjustments. So it's really taking your lumps on the fly and, and learning what to do. Jared Parker's doing that. and Obviously not as reactionary as you would like, and – Again, that was my that was my biggest worry for this offense coming in is is Jared Parker at, at the when it comes down to the base and, and the bare bones of this does he know how to adjust to a coach who has done this for a long time? That's Mike Elko. Uh, I know Jeff Brom is an offensive coach, but he know he has an operation and has hired guys that know what they're doing and have done this for a long time. Jared Parker's trying to figure out how to go against guys like that for the first time. And I don't think the adjustments have been there in game. Uh, maybe the, the game planning going into games hasn't really been there as well. So we're, we're seeing a guy try to figure this out uh, for the first time. And, and that's what you're getting with, with these three and outs and being able to convert on third down. I mean, six of 28 the last two games on third down, just partly because first and second down haven't been very good. Marcus Freeman mentioned that when you're facing third and eight, third and nine, third and 10 every single time, likelihood of converting is not as good. Uh, but you've got to be better on first and downs to get to those third and twos and threes and fours. And Notre Dame is not there right now. And, and Jared Parker has a lot to do with that. Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated is my guest. You've had the opportunity to be at Marcus's post-game press conference Saturday night in Louisville and at today's press conference at Notre Dame. You've heard his explanations to why the Notre Dame offense rotated offensive linemen. Now, he did mention Pat Coogan was a little banged up and didn't do everything that they needed on Tuesday of last week. So they needed better offensive line play, he says, so they went to this rotation. I would call that unique. When you heard the explanations, did it change your mind? Did it make sense to why they did it? Nope. It's just not something you want to do within a game is start with one set of five offensive linemen and then not just maybe take one player out. Like I would have understood if Pat Coogan was injured, like Marcus Freeman said, or he just wasn't playing up to the standard that Notre Dame wanted him to. And you tried Billy Strauss in a simple one-for-one -one swap at left guard. This was Strauss in at left guard, Andrew Kostofik in at center, and then Strauss 
at right guard and Andrew Kristoffic still at center and then Zeke Carell in with Billy Trout and I mean what does that do for the chemistry and cohesion and offensive line? Not nothing. I mean it's a hindrance more than it is a helper. So I get it. The offensive line needs to be better and maybe that comes with different personnel, but to just try a little audition or whatever it was that you want to call it within the parameters of a single game and then say, you know what, actually it didn't work. We're going to go with these other five guys that we had to start with. Uh, that is just, it, it just kind of shows you the state of this Notre Dame offense and Marcus Freeman can say what he wants to try to defend doing that. But I think everyone's in uh, almost consensus agreement that it probably wasn't the best thing to do. I said this to you on our Blue and Gold YouTube conversation earlier today, and I'll bring it up on this program too, but with a lot of the conversation about the wide receiver position and a lacrosse player having a great game playing wide receiver while four-star scholarship players just aren't getting the job done right now, do you understand what I mean when I say they have a bunch of guys, but they don't have a guy right now for Sam Hartman to truly rely on. Yeah, I understand completely what you're saying. And I agree with it. It, It's uh, I said this on our blue and gold show about the defense is that it's lacking a little bit of speed to get to the perimeter and, and stop some of these runs that are being broken off for 20, 30, 40 yards for the Notre Dame offense. It's they don't have a guy that can break off 20, 30, 40 yards on the perimeter at the wide receiver position. So it's speed. It's not getting separation. Uh, it's maybe they're not schemed up in ways to kind of blow by people and create these long explosive plays. Uh, and, and I guess a lot of it is personnel. And like Jaden Greenhouse, Rico Flores, I think those guys are going to be useful players for Notre Dame for as long as they're here. They're going to score touchdowns too, but you're not going to see them score 70, 80 yard touchdowns. And there are guys, you know, all caps and emphasize it like you did there, Jaron, at different programs who can score the 70, 80 yard touchdown. And I get it. Tobias Merriweather did that. Tyree did that. But that was both against Central Michigan. What have they done against these four or five teams that Notre Dame has played the last three weeks? Really not a whole lot. And they don't get open and they don't run by guys. And that goes to your point that they're guys, but they are not guys. All caps, emphasis, Notre Dame needs a guy for sure. I mentioned on our game day show on Saturday that I was concerned about Notre Dame physically and mentally being up to the challenge based on having played all these weeks in a row, starting with a trip to Dublin. And then you had two physically and mentally draining games back-to-back, Ohio State, and Duke. So this is what people call this was a good spot for Louisville, and it turned out to be the case. Should the schedule fatigue be used as an excuse? Not um, publicly by head coaches or players, but and I, I will be completely transparent with you right now. After we just did our YouTube show, I relocated to the couch, and I'm sitting on the couch right now, and <laughs> I'm looking at it, and I'm honestly thinking of a little afternoon nap once I hang up the phone with you, even though I've got some things to write. I only write about these games. I only watch them from the press box. And, yeah, I 
stay up really late on Saturday nights into Sunday morning when there's a 7.30 kick, putting together a 56-page magazine for Blue and Gold Illustrated, and a lot of work goes into that. But a lot of work goes into preparing for and playing in a football game. And Notre Dame will have done that eight weeks in a row, dating back to the last week of August, once this USC game is in the books in a couple days. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of fatigue. That's a lot of wear and tear physically, mentally. It's just a lot. And, you know, there's a reason that USC played in week zero, and they didn't have to leave the state for that game. And I, I think they played San Jose State or somebody vastly inferior. And they've already had a bye week. You know, they did that in the middle of September, I believe, because guys like this get a break. Student-athletes need a break. You can't do it week in, week out for this long. And so should it be used as an excuse? Not by the guys on the team, but we can use it as an excuse or we can use it as a bullet point and say, I guarantee you those guys are tired because I am. I know that. Tyler, how do you assess the defense against Louisville, knowing that they were put in some tough spots late in the game with all the turnovers? Yeah, it was one of those games where you just kind of knew that the offense was never going to do the things necessary to put Notre Dame over the hump. And as soon as Louisville took a lead in the third quarter, it felt like it was going to be catch-up, a game catch-up for Notre Dame throughout. And when you add on interceptions and setting up Louisville in plus territory over and over on top of that, it was one of those games where, and it happens all the time at all levels of football, where you're hanging on, you're hanging on, you're playing good defense, but if you know that the offense isn't going to do anything for you, you're going to let up a couple uh, big ones, and Juwar Jordan did that for Louisville. And, I mean, it, it comes to a time where if you're a player on that Notre Dame defense, you kind of think to yourself, well, what the heck more can I do? And all of a sudden somebody's blowing by you, and it's even worse than it was. So I thought they were good. They were good enough to win that game for – a lot of it, and then when it became apparent that the Notre Dame offense wasn't good enough to win that game, things spiral, and that's just the game of football, and that's the way it went. How would you describe the importance of this week's game for Marcus Freeman and this team? It's huge. It's huge, and I told you on our Hey Horka Blue and Gold YouTube show that I believe this would be the biggest win of Marcus Freeman's era at Notre Dame if he was able to get it. I get it. You beat Clemson. They were number four. They were undefeated at the time. You rushed the field. It was great. And But this this feels different. It's, it's a rival. It's reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. Nobody that follows this team thinks that Notre Dame can hang with USC in a shootout right now. And I'm not saying that's the only way that Notre Dame can win this game. Maybe the defense does something to Caleb Williams that hasn't been done to him all year. Like you, you kind of saw Oregon State do it last year where they almost upset USC in a way lower scoring game than people thought it was going to be. Uh, Notre Dame could do that. You know, they could win a lower scoring game this week than people think it is. But, you know, just imagine if Notre Dame did score a lot of points and, and USC did get theirs, but, you know, Notre Dame somehow won like a 45 to 41 game. I think that would feel even more tremendous than 35 to 14 against Clemson, just because the circumstances of where this season are now you go into the bye week at 6-2 and two, coming off a win over a top-10 team that has the best player in the country, you're like, okay, I can take a little bit of a, a sigh of relief. We're not going to make the college football playoff. 
But, man, we just got the biggest win that we've had in a while. And maybe we can springboard that into a 10-win season. 10-2 wouldn't be so bad. But if you go into the bye week at 5-3, and three, all of a sudden you're thinking, are, are we going to get upset by Pitt or, or Wake Forest? Like, are, Can we go down to Clemson and, and win that game after the last time we went on the road? Things didn't go so well at Louisville. I think just it's a night and day difference whether Notre Dame wins or loses this game. And nobody's picking them to win based on what we just saw in Louisville and what we've seen offensively the last three weeks. And that would just make it all the more sweeter if they were able to do it. I'll just end with this, Tyler. As someone that's a writer, can you imagine the book you could write at this moment and just have the storyline based on where we were with five minutes to go in the Notre Dame-Ohio State game through today's Marcus Freeman press conference. It would not be a 50-page book. I mean, you could probably put together two, three, four hundred pages just what's happened the last few weeks with all these wacky storylines. You know, I think you actually make it a series, Darren, and the Ohio State in the aftermath of that, that's part one. That's its own book. And then the Duke thing, like if they're on the ropes, it looks like they're going to lose. Somehow they win, and all of a sudden the season's back on. You know, college football playoff, if you win out, you're in. That's a book. And then the Louisville demise and debacle, that's a, a three-part series there, and you could make it into a movie as well. I mean, heck, they made, that, they made the last drive of the Duke game on uh, Notre Dame's social media uh, a five-minute clip, and that felt like a movie in and of itself. So I literally think you could make the last three weeks of this Notre Dame football season a three-part series, and I would read every word, and I would watch every minute. And that tells you that – yeah, CFP's off the table, but there's still five games left in this season. I think we're in for some more wackiness, some more how the heck did this happen, whether it's positive or negative. Uh, the, the, the book, the, the movie is not done on this season. We're going to see some more craziness. Well, if there is a movie, I think we'll get Justin Timberlake to play you. Okay. The curly hair. That. I mean, that, come on. There you go. That's a compliment and a half. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hey, Tyler, what type of deal do you have right now at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com? Yeah, big game, big deal. If you go to blueandgold.com, you hit the paywall because you're not a subscriber. Well, you need to be, and you can get a one-year subscription for half price. So you get 12 months of blueandgold.com access, which features the message board, on three-plus articles. You can look at other sites message boards with that subscription as well. So there's really so much access that you get with the blueandgold.com subscription. And it is half price because Notre Dame is playing. It's been a rival. And I know we didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about USC in this phone call because Notre Dame has issues of its own, but this is still a really big game against a really big opponent. So we have a really nice deal for you at blueandgold.com. Tyler, greatly appreciate your time this evening and, Glad you get a couple of days to relax. No road trips this week, and we'll have a chance to do this again next Monday, recapping Notre Dame, USC. Who knows what we'll be talking about, but I look forward to next Monday. Yeah, still no sleep for me, Darren, though, because my <laughs> baseball team that I root for is one game away from the ALCS, and I'm just sure the Texas Rangers are going to find a way to uh, make that more difficult than it needs to be. But we'll see. Go Rangers. <laughs> That's the story of your life as a fan right now. Cowboys, Rangers, and covering the Irish, and we'll throw the Longhorns in there as well. So yeah, hopefully better say, days you're ahead. Missing a big one. 
Yeah, before you said the Longhorn thing, I'm like, you're missing another big one from Saturday. That was uh, that was tough to watch. And heck, the Stars will start this week, so you got more misery coming your way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Watch the Blues just boat race us on Thursday night to get that off to a great start, just to rub it in a little bit. Have a good week. We'll talk to you next Monday. All right, thanks, Darren. That's Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated. Read his work at blueandgold.com. We'll take a timeout. Sportsbeat continues next on WSBT.